0: Hey, what's going on, good people? Welcome back to the Black Codes. Here with your co-host, Donald Robinson. And I am joined with our powerful friend, Savannah Bryant. Hi. How are we feeling today, Savannah?
1: We're feeling okay. How are you, Donald?
0: You know, I'm well. I spent an hour today posting a photo online. I I've had a trying ten days of life.
1: Yes, you have.
0: And so you know, you know, the day bad things happen, it's like, oh, I'm so sad. Oh, I'm crying. Oh, it's just terrible, right? I guess I can tell our audiences. I told them on my other podcast. Check out my other podcast, Training Well Done. Uh, it's about running and training and physical things like that. But, anyways, so last week. Tear cue uh, the teardrops. My grandmother passed away, and um, one of two. And you know, me and her were very close, and so it was really sad, you know, just having that happen and uh, dealing with that. But as I put on my Facebook post, some you know bad things happen in life, but some of them you can see coming. But then it's like life pulls out some hot sauce and puts it on there, like ah, gotcha, bitch. <laughs> And it's like, damn, why'd that have to happen? And that's pretty much how everything led to me not going to Georgia for the memorial service. For uh, my mother had an accident, to say the least. And so we were in the hospital having to deal with that. So I haven't made it down there. And so it's been a fun week, plus COVID shutdowns. And well, it's cold.
1: <laughs> yeah. So. And it's not like, I mean, Georgia I know I know your grandmother doesn't live in like in the depth of the city but they've been doing like (laughs) they've been acting kind of crazy in Georgia with COVID like it doesn't even exist
0: (laughs) yeah they uh you know as I've um heard about some of the different different parts of the country um it's definitely the more city places that are more on high alert about things especially in the north then in the Midwest or the South, they're a little bit like, ah, uh, just a cold.
1: Yeah, well, I think though the rates are going up in the Midwest and some of these other places where they weren't really taking it seriously. I think Whereas North- I think people in cities are taking it seriously if they just don't wanna stay inside, even mm-hmm. knowing the like seriousness.
0: Yeah, I think North and South Dakota individually both have more cases than South Korea.
1: Yeah, I was talking. I don't know if I was in my work meeting, but someone, someone recently told me Iowa was like forty percent positive. Like Like, whoa,
0: like forty percent of the people getting tested in Iowa were positive.
1: Yeah, so that's crazy. And it's like Iowa. What's in Iowa? It's a bunch of people that I don't think that we were taking COVID Mm -hmm. seriously. So.
0: Yeah, like, what are y'all even doing? It's Iowa. Like, how are y'all even gathering that much? Like, it takes, like, two hours to go see anybody in Iowa.
1: I'm sure they're having, like, bonfires and, like, in patches and, like, running in cornfields, running in wheat fields. That's what I imagine is happening in Iowa.
0: <laughs> so, yeah, this has been a trying week. But this week also ended – I oh, it's not over yet. But Thursday was great, because I got to indulge in the Gucci Mane vs. Jeezy Versus.
1: Yeah, yay. <laughs> Savannah's
0: bum ass didn't watch it.
1: I don't watch any of them, though, to be fair. I'm just, like, not interested. I'm um, Not that I'm not interested in the idea. I think it's really, really dope. But actually having to sit there and watch it no i'm good i was
0: <laughs> so mad you weren't watching it i was legitimately not like really upset but like i was like fake upset like yo i want to go back and forth about this you're not watching it
1: yeah no sorry i was like i was peeping in every once in a while to see what was going on and it was them just like rapping over their songs and i don't <laughs> do I
0: was well, there wasn't there wasn't that much of it like they were actually, at the beginning, they kind of were, but they let it ride because they know we don't want to hear them on the microphone.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but I was Jeezy all the way. Jeezy definitely won, but, you know, they have that whole, excuse me, ooh, here we go with this cider thing, the cider burps. But um, yeah, he, uh, he had his issue with Jeezy and he made it very, very, very well known to the world
1: yeah um i fuck with both of them i agree i think jeezy i how can i say i agree i think jeezy won the songs that i know that he played i think that jeezy's music has just stood the test of time a bit more than Mm. you know gucci's is very like his like crazy hits hits has a very solid place in history and that's just kind of not that's where they have to stay but that's definitely where they belong if that makes sense oh yeah Gucci, though, he has birthed almost all of the pop and rappers. Like, without Gucci, won't get a lot of the shit that we have right now.
0: Oh, yeah. Without Gucci, the Migos is probably not a thing. um, As a genre, but also he kind of, like, literally brought them on. Uh, His music definitely is, like, his mixtape history. I think Gucci pre-2010, like, Fat Gucci, as everybody calls him, yeah like black as as twitter calls him fat gucci definitely stands the test of time mm-hmm. now clone gucci i don't know
1: yeah yeah fat gucci is iconic <laughs> for sure with the black lips and the ice cream count like yeah, that- listen
0: i don't even like i see how people be saying he was a clone because i'm like 22 year old gucci did not look like he could grow facial hair and i'm looking at this man's beard like yo is that really real because you don't look like... He just didn't look like he could grow that kind of a beer.
1: 22-year-old Gucci looked well beyond 22. <laughs> he was not living a healthy life at all.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he started being friends with Flocka. He, I mean, he went vegetarian. He's like, you know what? I am going to change my lifestyle up physically, too.
1: Yeah, that shit's important.
0: That nigga came out of uh, jail looking like an Egyptian god. Like, oh, bro, really? <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's funny. Um... um I uh, this is a complete side note. I had to finally break down and turn my heat on because I was in here freezing, and you know it's nice to be warm. But I know this electric bill is not going to be cute, and so I'm a little sad about it that I had to <laughs> today. Well, it was last night. I was like, "Yo, I okay. I tried, I tried to hold out until December, but fuck this."
0: <laughs> <laughs> See, my damn apartment. The I don't control the heat, so like it's just stuck. I can make it go less, but with only within a certain range. So I got like a space heater I brought home, and I'd be using the hell out of it. I'm like, oh my god, this electric bill, bro.
1: Yeah, also, I um saw my mom the other day, and (laughs) she listens to the podcast pretty often, and she's like, you say the F word so much. So I'm going to try to not say it so much. I just remember it because I just said it. Um, I don't know. You, like, you had oh, a couple
0: episodes streak where you were going hard about the politics.
1: Yeah, because people were pissing me off and I just felt like they need to be aggressive in my own way. And that's just letting the F-bomb fly several times with some bass.
0: <laughs> with some bass. Savannah over here with the uh, black sweater turtleneck with the gold chains. So she just like spells this elegant but don't fuck with me kind of vibe right now with like the hair pulled back i wouldn't ex- i would expect some f-bombs today people
1: <laughs> we might get them we'll see um, yeah so is that is that all we wanted to touch base on
0: um yeah you know as we look at as we look at our agenda today and talking about education is important so we look at versus again right and you know as someone who's not overly invested in either of their musical careers although I've followed Jeezy for much longer like Mm -hmm. I still follow his music his album dropped today I listened to it already Gucci I've kind of stopped paying attention to his new stuff I still listen to his old stuff but when you watch these two men and some of the uh attributes given to them Jeezy gives this um More intelligent and grown up kind of vibe. And, you know, Gucci looking better (laughs) has given him a lot of points. But up until then, most niggas was like, yo, Gucci's kind of slow. And that's kind of just been the thing that people had to say about him. Uh, I don't know how he feels about that, but that's not my place to figure out. But that's just kind of been what I've heard. And so when we look at like this whole education, we find like people as you get more educated about things, how you move tends to change how what you talk about, how you carry yourself. And it's not so much that you know your times tables better. It's just having a higher abundance of information and insight yeah. changes you.
1: And one of the things that I think is really, really valuable that we don't Really spend a lot of time teaching is understanding body language and being able to read a room. You know, like you may feel away, but that doesn't mean you have to like feel away and tell people you're feeling away in every space that you're feeling away in, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, for sure. That emotional intelligence of being able to understand, A, that you don't need to always share everything, but also understanding when people actually want you to share. Mm-hmm. I remember you, you asked me that question the last time I was there, like, can you read a room? Because <laughs> I was telling you about uh, some things that were going on, and there was a line when you were locked in paying attention, and then there was a certain point where you just weren't there anymore, but I pressed on anyways mm-hmm. for the marathon continues, and you asked me that after and I'm like she thinks that I couldn't tell that she didn't she wanted me to shut up already. I just didn't want to shut up yet.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think that's the difference between you and I. Sometimes if I'm having like um an argument in my head like a train of thought about something in particular like I'm working something out. I'll keep going, but yeah, that is something you don't care. Like if you want to talk, you're going to and <laughs> you're going to until you're done.
0: <laughs> I'm definitely um I'm less polished in personal situations. If it's like at the gym, I'm very attuned to when, all right Donald, shut the fuck up. Yeah. But um or like even just knowing where I'm going to stop at way ahead of time if I'm sharing something versus like when I'm just with friends and it's personal
1: mm-hmm. like
0: the the structures that put things around they're much more porous in those situations, and uh, yeah. I've had I've had romantic situations where I've that's been brought to me, and I'm like, maybe I should work on that. I don't know how important that is though, because <laughs> it's like um, work to do that stuff.
1: I think it depends on the person. Like that's I really don't like being around people that that's a severe. I don't want to say deformity. That's just something they're really lacking is like the ability to see no one cares what I'm talking about. Let's wrap this up and get these people out of pain (laughs) (laughs) because they're clearly not interested. And for you, like that conversation, that's just you and talking to me, you wouldn't do that with someone you barely know. That's when I like it even more. When it's like, when people do that around people they don't really know, and now you're subjecting other people to that. Like, I I didn't walk over to the corner of this party for you to start talking to me and then never shut up. (laughs) Like, that's not why I came over here.
0: That started to happen to us. We were outside of Terps eating, and that uh, strange man walked up and decided Mm -hmm. to have a lot to say. And I'm trying to give this man big yo, get the fuck out of here, dude, vibes. And he was not trying to pick up on this at first. (laughs) And so until the point where I had to like make a closing statement and directly orient my body straight to you to talk so that he would get a clear line before I had the next step was like, yo, dude, can you just leave?
1: I don't want to go into that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Savannah has strong there's feelings not, about certain populations of people.
1: There's, there's a lot with that. And I don't want to do that. <laughs> not right now. <laughs> no, if you're
0: ever out hanging out with uh, Savannah for lunch and you're walking around and people just walk up wanting to have conversation or make requests, just brush them off before she does.
1: Yeah. <laughs> that would be ideal
0: <laughs> but yeah you know that ability to understand people um and and know you know how they're feeling get a sense for that is very important you know there's so many different types of ways to be educated mm-hmm. you know you are. go to knowing yourself is even part of that understanding finances can you read and write there's a stat that says if you cannot read by like the third grade, or like a third grade reading level, your per- chances of success in life are statistically said to plummet.
1: Yeah, think about, I think about any job, right? Um, chances are in some capacity, you, you do need to know how to read. You might have to be required to follow checklists and you might have to sign off, Like being literate and being able to write are kind of basic things especially I mean today maybe you're writing a little less because of the computer but it's a different type of writing you know and uh yeah like reading is important and education in different ways inside and outside of a Uh, traditional school building is important it helps you become a more well-rounded person personally professionally for yourself period you know like that all of it is important
0: yeah and you know these things create well-rounded people when you're able to understand how to do things and you're able to understand how the world works or at least have your own understanding of it in a way that gives you some predictability of uh, yeah. knowing how to interact with people, you know, understanding, do you, do you know friendships? Do you know, you know hierarchical relationships? Do you understand romance? Do you understand when you're feeling a type of way and what to do about it? Can you abstractly step away from yourself in the third person and evaluate yourself? That's a, type of knowledge in and all of itself.
1: It is, and I don't think a lot of people have that. That's something I've always, I think, been pretty good at being objective for other people. And I can be objective, and I'm better at this now, I can be objective towards myself. It's usually like the pride that would stop me from being all the way honest with me. Because when you have to reflect on how you were wrong, that's like embarrassing and uncomfortable. And so that would maybe stop me from not being objective, but really trying my hardest to make excuses why I was behaving a way that I know wasn't necessary. Um, Yeah. But that is knowledge and it's work. You know, it like takes time and a real effort to say, I am going to keep it a buck with myself because if I don't, it will hinder me. So being honest, it's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult. I might dislike it a lot of the time, especially if I'm really a fucked up person Mm -hmm. or have a lot to get through that I've ignored or whatever. It could potentially seem impossible, which makes it even more off-putting. It makes you want to run away from it even further, but running from it isn't going to make it go anywhere. Yeah. But yeah, that's like through education, that's through talking, oh my, it's through talking, you know, with people and learning and understanding how important that is.
0: Yeah. Now I have a question to ask you. This is still in a round, but we're taking a different stroke here. What do you think when people say having an education doesn't make you intelligent or any smarter than somebody else?
1: Um, I if their intention is one way, I agree. So you can become self-educated. Like the act of reading material, processing that material, you know, when we're in school, we're reading and learning. And then we're given papers, we're given tests, we're given projects to show that we understand this information that we've just been taught. And then how do you apply it into whatever? You don't necessarily need a traditional academic building to do that. So I do agree. However, there is still something to be said for people that do decide to educate, to that make education like a high priority And there is a different level of education you will receive from an institution around trained professionals who are specifically working in education and research and things like that versus you Googling shit and like reading random books on your own. There is going to be a different level in the education. Right? That makes sense. Yeah, that makes
0: sense. You know, there's the structure. While some people are like, Oh, structure, I hate it. There is some level of, and I think about, for me, like my undergrad, so I had a, my main major was exercise science. I had a philosophy major on the side, but what I studied in undergrad and grad school was exercise physiology. There was a certain level of structure to what we learned. We had to learn basic anatomy first, and our initial anatomy was learning the sticks and stones of your body. You know where your bones are, what your muscles are, your heart, and how these things basically function. And then there was a certain level of all right, You understand this enough to like start understanding who exercise. But then, oh my gosh, this cider. And then there was further instruction on how does exercise stress change and adapt the body, right? And then just further nuance and niche as you go up in this hierarchy of learning that if i were to teach somebody hey this is what pgc1 alpha does to your body when it comes to exercise stress someone who wants to become a a coach is gonna be like yo what in the world are you talking about and so pgc1 alpha by the way is a um genetic uh it's a it's a hormone gene, I don't actually remember exactly which one it is, that gets released when you do interval training, right? And it makes more little engines for your muscles anyways. So this long ass 25 page paper by Halazi I had to read in grad school. But I only was able to even digest that paper years ago because of the other understanding of things under that. And in order for me to get to that level of understanding, there was value in actually having that structure of learning this is how your bone. this is what your bones are and what your muscles are these are how these things come together to work and this is how they respond to basic exercise stress and then as you build upon that knowledge you can do more and more with it but the value of that structure comes in to you know those people knew what they were they've already done it and so they knew how to organize it in a way i could fast track it whereas if i don't know that kind of stuff I don't even know what I should study to some extent. And so I think there's value in that. But then there's this other aspect that people will often leave that conversation in with that um, can lead you to say, you know, the opposite thing, right. In regards to some people wanting to be like, you know, having a degree doesn't make everything as a as just a reason for them to like shit on having a degree or try to make you like not feel smart for having one.
1: And to make themselves better for not having one. Some people genuinely don't think that it's necessary or important. And I think that everything's not for everyone. You don't necessarily need a degree or to go to college to be successful, of course not are you in a better position if you do have some collegiate experience? Yes. The market, I think, I think another thing is because the market is so quote unquote saturated because most, most people, the percentage of people going to undergrad is a lot higher than it was obviously. It's o like schools are open to more people. Um, there are different types of schools available and kind of just this institution, Though, even like looking at the way education has changed, the way that we look at it, it was put up on this pedestal when only really white men could be educated in this formal way. And now that anyone, anyone quote unquote can get an education, now it's like, well, we don't actually have to, respect it's not that hard to get so many people do it like it's not that big of a deal it's not even necessary that i don't like you cannot suck with college it cannot be your thing but don't downplay it just because Mm -hmm. you feel x y whatever
0: yeah you know when it comes to making money at the end of the day selling things is how you make money and so whether it's selling a product or selling an idea you know getting somebody a job in philosophy, you have to be able to sell your ideas or sell yourself to the school that you can teach it at least. Um, so yeah, having a philosophy degree probably makes you less likely to succeed <laughs> 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 unless you can sell it, you know? And so you hear these like entrepreneurs who are like, oh, I didn't have a degree, I did this. Cause you were good at selling and selling is its own type of education of understanding people and what makes them tick and buy things oh, yeah. and,
1: you, and and that's something that people naturally have like fucking phil <laughs> <laughs> Going into nordstrom and just killing the woman's gene section because he's a seller like he's just naturally a salesperson so he mm-hmm. can work with people that he's not spending like his personal time hanging around but he knows how to talk to people he knew how to get you know to 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 interact with people in a way that would make them trust him and make them want to purchase stuff from him that's like a a natural trait that some people have that's a trait that other people have to learn either through education or through experience
0: yeah for sure and so when you look at you know there's a, edu-
1: there's something out there. okay.
0: Savannah, there's a protest in baltimore right now where savannah's at i'm actually we're actually not together during this episode uh we have finagled the internet and made it uh serving our will as best as we can well mm-hmm. we're making the uh apps serving our will but we are still at the mercy of wi-fi
1: yes yeah, so we're making the attempt we'll see what happens
0: <laughs> so just uh, <laughs> I
1: this, re- this episode like twice already and it didn't work out for a multitude of reasons so hopefully third time's a charm
0: so when we look at education here in the united states um The business and economic structure is set up to where at this point in 2020, having a bachelor's degree is an entry level step to getting into a lot of careers. And there's a whole history to this that we'll get into. But, you know, as it stands, having a degree helps you get most type of jobs that when people talk about skilled labor that require usually more more or less some intellectual understanding of doing something that is hard to teach on the job, at least in a theoretical sense, although there's definitely plenty of arguments against that, but that's the, that's the foundation it's built upon, right? You don't need a bachelor's degree to work a cash register, that's pretty automated, but having a degree to go ahead and um, do astrophysics is, you know, you don't want to get some guy who just watches YouTube videos all day to do that.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and I think, um, oh man, you were saying something and I had a great thought, and then now I don't remember. And I don't remember what you were even saying. So go back to it. Wow. Well,
0: another thought to that while I say that is if you work at McDonald's, if you work full time, you should make enough money to live. That's my first thought on that, first of all. Uh, the fact that people make $8 an hour is absolutely absurd. Um, that they're allowed to do that and work full time. Anyways, so, you know, the way our structure is built on, it's built on having a degree that, you know, allows you more doors open to do things. And while for some of you who may be, you know, younger, who are like, oh, everybody can go to school, like, this is great, everybody can learn, why don't you have an education or, you know, or why don't you self study to learn something, which I think you have to be a pretty self motivated person to even understand how to do that. And I think the, a lot of people that say they do that are full of shit, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> but nonetheless, you, even those who do, you know, who have a love for learning, you know, some of them have degrees, some of them don't. I think a lot of them do. Um, you still are in a world right now where that's abundantly available, but that has not been the case always. And really that's more of an our generation thing and it's still not even fully there because money
1: it's not, um, yeah, when you think about the way that we look at in education, the way that we interact with it, if we're talking about our community for switching, and not even just to black people, but just the way that black people in education and blacks being educated in America, look, what that looks like. I know that I'm not the only black person that has been told at some point, uh, and particularly, like, w- and particularly when I was younger, it happens a lot more than in my adulthood. But people telling me that I talked white, that I acted white, that, <laughs> and it, it, it being from the way that I spoke, and then because I was, like, good at school, and I'm getting this from both Black people and white people, you know, like, Black kids and white kids are saying this to me, and I never understood it, like a white person, why do you think you can tell me what it is to be Black? And Black people, well, you know that we're not all the same. We literally argue that all the time. Like, we know that we could follow because we're one Black, like, just because we're Black. We are always trying to fight from being a monolith, but then at the same time, we will try to keep ourselves boxed into what we think Black is and Blackness is supposed to be.
0: Yeah, for sure. I definitely got that a lot as a kid. So, I had this you know we all have interesting. no not everybody has interesting upbringing i have a slightly interesting upbringing from a lot of people that i've just known over the years so growing up my mom like she grew up in the hood hood and so she was talked about you know how at Wilkinsburg they just kind of pass you through like yeah just just do what you got to do to graduate you know we don't care about what you do after that and so those was born between her isolationist tendencies and her desire to get me someone with a good education I ended up, we ended up living in a Section 8 housing project at the very outside border of this upper middle class school district. Uh, so we went to Montour School District as a kid. I was like the only black kid in my class minus like a few other uh, kids that, between like kindergarten and like seventh grade, I think I saw a cumulative of maybe five other black kids in that school. One I dated, One I attempted to, she just got engaged a couple, like a month ago. So shout out to her. Um, This other boy who she had liked. uh, This other boy who in like first grade kept falling asleep in class. And then like a couple, I think one or two others who like, they were cool. I don't really remember them. Um, And my mom, my mom's like very prejudiced. So she was always in the, you have to do better than all these white kids. And I was like, but I'm the only black kid in the class. And she would just look at me like, well. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, because I went to a school like that, and my mother, uh, she put the pressure on me as a kid. And, you know, while there were a lot of things that happened back then that I was not a fan of, uh, I am a fan of how she pressed me in that way. At least how it turned out. Not how she pressed me, but how it turned out. You ever have to read books over vacuum cleaners and, like, read them and enunciate them loud enough that you could be heard of a vacuum cleaner? Like... It was like military style training like that. I can romanticize and talk about it cheerfully, but that shit hurt. But, um, so I, you know, we had still a lot of black kids in the neighborhood who were, um, moving in over the course of elementary school from other areas. And then when I got into like middle school, especially, it became clear as like, you know, the white kids were listen to black music In middle school. I'll say there were a few more black kids, um, that I saw more in middle school. Most of the people I talked about were actually people I saw in middle school. And then the people in my neighborhood who went to a, they went to a different school district or mm-hmm. they were older when they came to this school district that I was in. So they always got on me with the you sound white and this. And I did not take that well.
1: Yeah, because it's like, what, that's stupid as hell. Like that's, it's stupid. Yeah, it's and- very dumb. <laughs> It's stupid. Um, But, you know, this idea that being educated is for whites, surprise, surprise, where do Mm -hmm. you think that stems from? (laughs) Yeah. So that's what we're going to get into. Um, I think that people forget or they just really don't understand. And I feel like we say it so much when we talk about like systematic racism, Uh, people, I think, automatically, white people in particular, I think, automatically, they just think that slavery is over. And then Martin Luther King came, and then Barack came. What do y'all Negroes want? Like, what do y'all want? How much more can we give you? You're my neighbors. You work in the same office as me. We've gone to college together. I may have had a Black professor. Like, what more do y'all hoes want? And they're, <laughs> they're ignoring the fact that like, yeah, there might be black people in more spaces, um, especially more spaces than the 1800s and the, the 60s and even the 90s, but we still have a ways to go. And in order to really understand that, we have to take it back. So, yes.
0: Let's so. take it back.
1: Let's take it back. Um, Some of the first like written laws I saw were like South Carolina had a literally South Carolina Negro Act of 1740 prohibited blacks from, uh, it was an act that had a bunch of prohibitions. So they couldn't grow their own food. They couldn't learn how to write. They couldn't assemble. um, And they couldn't move about freely they couldn't just move and just do whatever they wanted and there were fines for breaking these quote-unquote laws and what i found particularly interesting was reading wasn't initial initially um, prohibited reading was actually something that they wanted to not enforce but they wanted people to learn they wanted certain black people to learn how to read Uh, Black people to learn how to read because they wanted them to be able to read certain scriptures. And they, there was this thought that um, Christianity would make the enslaved people more docile. Like learning, and we when, in The Curse of Ham, we talk about one passage in the Bible in particular that was used to justify slavery. So they're using the Bible in a very particular way. And so they really only wanted them to read certain parts, certain scriptures that they had, you know, had been circulating through some of these, some of these pastors, like moving about through church to church, but this idea that it would create a calmness and a docileness, understanding like this is your place, this is God's will for you to, you know, work the land for free for us. Like, this is what God wants for you. And those kind of prohibitions and acts um, kind of continue all the way through, kind of continue all the way through the, uh, you know, the 18, the 1800s and like the 30s and uh, some of these places, the fines get crazy, like if you're a white person caught teaching a free Black or an enslaved Black. I didn't mention that at the beginning. Some of these were for, not even just if you were enslaved, like if you were Black, period, um, you could get fined for teaching free or enslaved Blacks. Uh, it was about a $30 fine, so this for a white person teaching a any black person um which would be about 720
0: 730 dollars
1: to what yes and if you were black and you were teaching free blacks or enslaved blacks you could get the fines whipping and jail time like up to a year jail sentence for teaching blacks how to write Um, and, you know, so there were five states that officially had those laws on the books, but there are a lot of other states that while they may have not had written laws, it was still in force. Like, what do you, what is this enslaved person going to do? Go to the local, you know, police sheriff office and say, hey, my, my master is refusing to teach me how to read and write. What do you think they're going to do? Mm. So. Yeah, Um, and this unlawful assembly is essentially like black people aren't allowed to gather. And you know, that's one of our basic rights and it gets taken from us. There has to be like, it's, it's in particular, one white per 10 blacks. And this unlawful assembly included schools. So schools, like schools for black people, for black children were considered illegal. And so you have this decline um, in reading and writing, but obviously where there's a will, there is a way. People did learn how to read and write and and were able to teach some people. (sighs) But we think about why in particular. Um, Why do these laws come about? Why would you wanna stop people from reading and writing? You only stop people from doing something when you know if they end up doing this thing, they'll be able to call bullshit on you. They'll be able to say, oh, this is, I know this is wrong, but now I can back it up that this is wrong.
0: There's that old cliche, knowledge is power, education is power. And so when you deny somebody the ability to learn something, it, it keeps a hierarchy set up in a way to where you can't, um, you can keep dominion over them and so yeah. just to like make this make you feel this right because we read stuff all the time you know we're like, you look at the pictures all the time you get on facebook you read statuses you go on instagram you read stuff you read news articles you read text messages like imagine just going on the internet and you can't read anything and if somebody I'm- that you're chatting with on the internet has to teach you what what you're reading just as you browse the internet on social media Mm-hmm. You could get fined or go to jail just for teaching somebody how to read that stuff.
1: Yeah, I mean, we think about different languages and in and, and social media, like you could potentially end up on someone's page. Everything's in a different language. You have no idea what's happening. For someone that can't read or write, it's the same thing. It's like, what is this? <laughs> this is just shit on a paper. Like, I don't know, what's what is this? What is going on here? I don't know what this is. And we do take that for granted. We take for granted the ease that we can move about because we can read and write like when you don't have that especially once you reach a certain point in your life that can be very it can be i don't want to say detrimental but can absolutely make your life more difficult
0: there are not too many things in the modern world that you can successfully do if you can't read and write Um, Mm -hmm. Like maybe you could do a trade pretty decently, but you can never be the boss because you have to be able to read and write to do contracts and all that stuff. Like not being able to read and write is such a hindrance. And, you know, it it allows, you know, these hierarchies to remain and be in place. And, you know, people talk about, oh, look at how our countries ended up. Dog, these people knew what they were doing.
1: yeah they're not dumb um and you know these laws and these acts they came out of i i kept seeing four four specific things one is the rise of abolitionism and people you know whites mainly in the north writing these papers talking about how wrong slavery is and there's a paper in 1816 or the book it's called the book and slavery irreconcilable Um, and this man george boone basically is talking about how the bible couldn't possibly allow or sanction or um justify slavery there's no way like if we're reading the same bible y'all can't be doing this (laughs) there's southern you know slave masters um another one is the the free blacks that are writing these papers as well and one in particular david walker he writes and finances this um this paper called The Appeal to the Colored Citizens of the World. And like I kind of mentioned, we both mentioned earlier, he says specifically uh, being held in, in subjugation because they're held in ignorance. Like if you don't have the information, then you're not gonna understand how this is wrong. You can understand that it's wrong, but you might not understand the depth of how this is wrong or how to escape it. And you know, like like we said. You can't read, so you might not know that there are people in the North fighting for your cause, you Mm -hmm. know? And this is a time, there's no internet, there's no texting, things are being, you know, news travels by word of mouth and by papers, but it's not like South Carolina is getting a New York City paper the next day, you know? Like, that shit is taking a while to travel. There's no cars, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, trains are coming about during this time, but information is moving a lot slower so if we can halt someone from even being able to read even if it gets here they won't know what they're looking at yeah you no know? um yeah so those were two things the other one was uprisings and escapes so the first act that i mentioned the south carolina negro act comes after the stono rebellion and i don't do you know uh, a, a bit, but not
0: not extensively about stone. I know much more about Ned turners.
1: Okay, so in 1739, so the Spanish camps, uh, Spain, I don't want to say ruled or even conquered because they did the same shit the English did, but- They, they colonized. Were, they colonized Florida, and they- spain and england with their long-standing beef (laughs) basically they were passing out these edicts these like papers and they were saying to the slaves um if you make it to florida you will be free we'll give you freedom in florida you'll be safe and that's why we see some of these black uh black only some of the first black towns communities are popping it up in florida and it's because of this they were able to escape before the revolutionary war even happened so they're leaving british the colonies when it's still under british control and they're going to florida so a group of blacks in south carolina um break into like the fire the gun ammunition house closet wherever they used to keep that shit and they're like we're out and they make their way to florida and they interact with several whites along the way they kill a bunch of people and ultimately unfortunately they all of them end up dying in some capacity either during this this fight this rebellion the when they end the interaction or along the way so they don't make it to florida successfully but that was enough for South Carolina to see, oh, see, they read that shit <laughs> that the Spanish king was fucking passing out, had people passing out. They read that shit and it was an option. Nope, we're not doing that again.
0: Now, to give you all listening a, a feel for this experience, right? So for the tune of 250 years and, and really more like 300 years, more or more even, there were fights to not allow you to go to high school. Like literally these people took up arms, like yes, to escape subjugation, but in, in the realm of education to go somewhere to have the right and ability to go and learn stuff, to go learn to read and write, Right. So when David Walker is writing in this appeal to the colored citizens of the world, you know, people, these people are being held from knowing things. So let's talk about you. If you have like rent, right? Or you have to open a bank account. There are the greater part of society who has power who's trying to literally violently keep you from learning how to do your taxes. Like imagine, oh, I hate doing my taxes. At this time, there are people actively making sure violently that you can't learn that, right? That you can't learn your times tables, right? So you're sitting there, you're at the restaurant, and you want to tip. And you're like, oh, I got to tip 20%. What is 20% of $20, right? Um, even 20% of $20, you know, that's, hold on, let me make sure I know this. It's $5. <laughs> $4? That's $5? $4. And so I almost said 2 but to know even that, you know, number, they were legally restricted from knowing that. And people were violently going to enforce them knowing that little bit of a thing. You know, there are people, these abolitionists who are actively trying to talk about how, you know, the Bible doesn't support them being in slavery while the slaves are being held back in slavery because of the Bible. And so, you know, when you, look at that and what the little things that are available for them to read and learn about and them violently being held back from learning that are things that we kind of daily complain about and take for granted and these type of actions have happened longer in american history than we have freely been able to learn things
1: oh for sure um and you know i think the thing for me is just knowing that they didn't just come out the gate and say absolutely no reading and writing it was oh in order for us to be able to keep y'all enslaved this has to go like no more of this um yeah and and you know nat turner's rebellion obviously kicks off a lot it's you know that happens in 1830 in the next like 30 years the U.S. goes through a lot and ultimately ends up having a civil war. Um, one of the other reasons why rioting in particular was condemned was the fear that travel passes would get forged. So like I said, um, one of the things that Black people were not able to do was just move about freely. Like they had to have a pass. It had to be signed by someone that said, either they were a free person or this is my this is my fucking master i'm going to be here and here for these dates and they were afraid kind of reminiscent to trump's fears of voter fraud that these people would just en masse commit you know, travel, forgery, frauds, whatever. Um, And then like, you know, the George, the George man who wrote that book on slavery and and talking about the Bible, when you get people, when you get black people that really have an actual Bible in their hands and they're able to read these passages and they're not just following a pre-made script or pre-approved scripts they're like oh no i'm like reading all of this and you're wrong <laughs> <laughs> they're lying <laughs> and um also like the us northern people shit wasn't sweet up here uh <laughs> it wasn't the south and there were some schools in some capacities and i should also say this we have to remember that at this time uh Educating children wasn't mandatory. You know how now you can literally get in trouble for not going to school, your parents can get in trouble. No one's hunting you down if, you're, if your child's not going to school in the 17th, well, in the 18th and in the 19th century. It's just not happening, it's a different world. Like ch- children don't really have any rights at all. What their parents says, go, unless you're a black child. Um, but so there are some churches or there are some schools in the north and they're usually in black churches sometimes in the basement sometimes in the church house they would make makeshift chalkboards those uh schools were still you know genuinely underfunded understaffed uh packed they had a lot more students and they had kids and during that time when you had a schoolhouse there wasn't like Grades, really, like everyone just kind of sat in a class and you would be given different things to learn and whatnot. Um, and yeah, and we have uh, one of the first schools period, like one of the first public schools period that is opened by the state happened in Reading, Pennsylvania, actually in 1834. They don't open a black school until uh, 1845, so almost 10 years later, and it's not on par with um the white school and what you mean like
0: how they are now
1: <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> um and then cheney actually which is in is that in lincoln or is lincoln a whole no
0: lincoln's thing? its own separate hbcu cheney's it's like,
1: like in towards the
0: middle though. of the pennsylvania it's like in the middle somewhere
1: yeah so that opened in 1837 originally teaching like trades and and agriculture But in 1837, you know, and it was a black school. Why? Because blacks couldn't just go into any school they wanted to. There were some that made it um, here and there, and they would be, like, the only one. (laughs) They were like you. (laughs) Even worse, they probably literally were the only one. And who knows what that treatment was like, Uh, being a one black person in a college class in uh 1800s versus 2000s you know
0: yeah I was a disappointment to some of those kids who like were into like rap music because I had straight A's most of the time I cried when I got my first C and um I was not particularly that cool at the time so I definitely let a lot of those white kids down in elementary school and middle school
1: let them down because they were like Feeding on this idea of what they thought blackness was, and you showed them that this isn't the only way to be black. They may not have received it that way, but
0: you gotta read the room and tell the sarcasm. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um so uh yeah. <laughs> so um yeah, so the Civil War happens, those kinds of laws continue to take place throughout the 1800s and then the Civil War happens and the South loses which they still might not know today uh some of them <laughs> <laughs> they <that's> got the memo. <laughs> In over 100 years you lost. Um on real
0: Trumpish right now. I didn't lose. Fucking cheaters. We didn't actually surrender, somebody else did. <laughs>
1: Uh, Yeah, so then the Freedmen's Bureau of the federal government and then the American Missionary Association ends up, um, you know, starting and finding, founding hundreds of schools and HBCUs throughout um, the South and, and the U.S. And with the addition of the Second Moral Act which gets passed in 1890, which is a part of Reconstruction, and it's essentially, uh, it provides land grants for institutions uh, for black students who couldn't get admission into other schools, and we see a rise in in places that are HBCUs, um, but they tend to focus on trade and agriculture. They aren't necessarily colleges in the way that we think for academic you know pursual more like secondary training to work a job and to work particular types of jobs
0: when you look at a school like NCA and t i think some people especially people who didn't go to those schools don't really realize a and t st- literally stands for agriculture and technology and they're not talking about iPad technology (laughs) this is you know farming technology and you know industrial type of technology for Mm -hmm. those types of uh, harder labor and let me tell you Savannah I am really upset I never went to HBCU I'm not upset that I went to Slippery Rock like that Mm -hmm. was cool but I really should have went to Howard instead of like UT Going to the University of Texas, it was great. It's great to tell me. I went to University of Texas. They'd be like, "Oh, he was at the University of Texas. Yeah. Um, you know, when I tell random white people that I went to the University of Texas, I definitely get shock value from them. And they're, you know, I do get a little bit of pleasure from that, I'm not going to lie. But yeah. my experience in grad school, in meeting people who went to HBCUs and how they talked about it, and how they graduated already, and they were my peers age-wise and, you know, where we were in life, and they were talking about how much they loved it and the camaraderie and how close they felt to their advisors. And I'm like, Brian hardly talked to my advisor and I got like two of my colleagues in my department who I'm cool with. Literally all the rest of my friends were like black undergrad dudes and like a couple other black grads. And I'm like, oh, I really wish I'd have went to HBCU.
1: Yeah, I... <laughs> it's not like Slippery Rock was my first choice, but I do, I, we talked about Slippery Rock a few weeks ago, and when I listened back, I was like, damn, it sounds like I was shitting on Slippery Rock, I fuck with, I fuck with that school, I met some really cool people, I had some great experiences, and I don't regret going there, however, I do, I know that my just collegiate experience would have been very different going to an HBCU versus a very PWI and a very PWI place. Um, and I'm kind of dealing with that now I'm I'm enrolled in grad school at a PWI and it's a top school but it's also I have other feelings about it and I honestly low-key I'm like damn I should just get out of this program and apply to an HBCU and just start over I'm not really pressed to get a degree, like like a master's degree by a certain age because I know I'm going to get it. But what do I want my experience to be like while I'm pursuing that? And I do think I would like to have an HBCU academic experience.
0: Yeah. I've here and think about like, I'll get a PhD at some point later in life and it's going to be something very on exercise related. I refuse to do like a PhD in exercise physiology. Like I'm good with that. I want to do something more cultural or something more social, but nonetheless, I'm like, yo, what if I just move somewhere? Cause I still want to be on campus, right? Like I want to have that, some of that experience. I mean, when you're like 30 something or 40 something, it's not the same, but I still want to be able to get those vibes of being on campus and, you know, feeling that and just having that next, you know, next to my name. I'm like, gosh, oh, I, I should go to like a HBCU to get a PhD one of these years.
1: For sure. Um So <laughs> we go, we jump all the way back to the 1800s. Um, Yes, these HBCUs start to come about and then we get something else. We get Plessy versus Ferguson, mm. which essentially says that it puts separate but equal into place it put, it, the jim crow laws that we know it um and almost what is it 60 i'm not good at doing this kind of quick subtraction 42 years later so 42 years after jim crow in 1954, we get Brown versus Board of Education. So Plessy versus Ferguson stands on separate but equal. You have to have, it's it's con- it's constitutional, it's legal to have separate institutions for black and white, but they should be legal. Now we know that they didn't hold up that end of the bargain because they never held up their end of the bargain when it comes to black people for keeping it a buck so 1954 if they would have kept up their end of the bargain we probably wouldn't be here if this shit was actually separate but equal i'm sure black people black people only just wanted to be able to live their life comfortably we don't need to be in y'all shit if y'all don't want to say that's fine but don't stop me from being able to live the kind of life i want so oliver brown in 1951 um, basically takes this shit to court. He tries to enroll his daughter, Linda, into an all-white elementary school, and he's saying, I'm doing this because the schools aren't equal. This is actually unconstitutional, and it goes to the Supreme Court, and they end up ruling, you know, Plessy versus Ferguson this summer, but Eagle is unconstitutional, and then you slowly see schools become integrated and we get stories like little rock nine we get stories like uh ruby bridges ruby bridges mother actually just passed away um within the last week or two i remember seeing ruby bridges is still alive she's like only in her 60s you know mm. <laughs> a little girl that integrated a school that had to have federal marshals escort her because parents and student like white people were so upset that black this little black girl was about to attend school where their white kids were attending, that they had to call in the fucking troops to protect her. And it wasn't just her. I mean, that happened in at several different schools in several different States.
0: Yeah. It um, it's really, you know, annoying when people, I mean, if they're young, it's understandable because you don't really know, but especially people who are older, that they don't understand the history of this, or at least they don't conceptualize just how short these time spans are and how long they are as well. Um, 1954 is, you know, my mother was born in 65. Like, you know, my grandmother's older than this. Um, My other grandmother's older than this, right? My great-grandmother was born um, just after Plessy versus Ferguson, is still around and so there is a you know there's time that it takes for you know the
1: wait the consequences a grandmother of that was born in the 1800s and she's still no
0: born? no no she was born after 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 oh <laughs> no she was born like um like 1920 something it wasn't like super close my other great grandmother who i grew up with was born like 1911 though or yeah 1911 ish so anyways um you know These things are, while it seems like, oh my God, that was like 70 years ago. 70 years is nothing, nothing at all. all. And so these things uh, have very real consequences in the world that we live in today. If it was illegal for Ruby Ruby Bridges to go to a white school and the only reason she went to the white school is not because she was I want to go make some white friends. It's because their school was literally better.
1: Yeah, right. like I think that's what people are missing. And we talked about in the housing, in the housing episode with George McMecken, like he just wanted to live in a house that he, that he could afford that was up to the standards of living that he wanted to live. I don't wanna just infiltrate y'all's white neighborhood. I could care less about y'all. I just wanna put myself and my family in a place where I feel comfortable. This option isn't in the black side of town. So Mm -hmm. I have to come here. You're literally not even giving me a choice and you won't even develop this part of the town to give me an option to do that. And when I try to do that, not necessarily with George, but we see it happen in plenty of other cities when black people make the concerted effort to give themselves lecture, give themselves a nice community that they can be proud of, that they can thrive in where they're businessmen, white people are coming in and tearing the shit up, Mm -hmm. burning the ground.
0: And, you know, it's so frustrating. So coming up through high school, First of all, I'm going to shout out to Wilkinsburg High School and I'm going to give a thumbs down to Newcastle School District because the distance between those two years was 48 years. So, shout out to the Wilkinsburg grad.
1: I don't know what you're talking about.
0: 1896
1: to 1954. I still don't know what you're talking about. Never mind. Um, I did a long <laughs> Yeah, I didn't
0: want to cut you off, but I was sitting here like,
1: Ooh. Huh?
0: No, 48
1: i said 42
0: yeah it's okay
1: 48 Mm -hmm. six minus four is two
0: well when you go 96 plus 50 is
1: oh you're right
0: actually savannah
1: we're both wrong. I, right. We're
0: both that's wrong. <laughs> 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 I'm over here doing a happy dance for the last 10 minutes. And I just did the math again and I said no. It was math actually 46 years.
1: Dude, I'm going to keep it a buck. I ended up the <laughs> dance math math classes. But when I tell you I got through that shit by the skin of my damn teeth. <laughs> and I haven't done a like real math problem since I took the SAT. So I don't know.
0: <laughs> that is what I get for wanting to talk shit.
1: It is what you get.
0: <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's, it's frustrating because you want things to be equal, but you fund schools with property taxes. And I think that is like a fucking crime because when I, so I was in foster care in high school. I went to four different high schools and um, I did most of them in the middle two years. So I went from upper middle class Montour to like middle class Penn Hills to like Woodland Hills, which was still cool, but they got progressively blacker. Right. Mm-hmm. And I started hanging out with more black people with each school I went to. And then I went to Oliver uh, High School in the, in the city of Pittsburgh, which closed and then reopened as an alternative school. Alternative schools are for schools with um, people with discipline issues, uh, severe, yeah.
1: discipline, severe yeah.
0: discipline issues and then
1: regular school
0: yeah they got kicked out
1: Regular school hours
0: (laughs) and then i graduated from wilkinsburg which is also closed now because of uh it you know that neighborhood got drained of people living there um like the white flight is one of those places so at any rate you know going to wilkinsburg when i got enrolled there i was actually out of school for literally a month my junior year of high school When I had some other personal issues going on, so I moved across town and with a friend. Well, said friend, I went to actually a different school with, and his mom was trying to get me into the nice school that her son was at, Woodland Hills, but she lived in Wilkinsburg. And said friend lived in Wilkinsburg, but he had an aunt that lived literally two streets away and went to a significantly better school because he just said he lived with his aunt. Mm -hmm. So his mom was trying to get me on there. We got all the paperwork in but the caseworker would not send a piece of certified mail to her sister's house to say I could go that I lived over there. Like, it was illegal. And so I had to go to this piss poor school, which, you know, shout out to my friends in Wilkinsburg, uh, you know, they did their best, um, but like the school just didn't have the resources. Like, I mean, Woodland Hills was definitely not no stellar place to be, but it was certainly better than Wilkinsburg. Mm. And so, you know, I went through school my senior year, I did not have the opportunity to take calculus. Like I took trig and pre-calc in 11th grade. I was taking classes with seniors and some of the seniors weren't even able to take trig and pre-calc, right? At Woodland Hills, they had calculus. I had to take a stats class that was literally meaningless to me going to college. And then I went to college and physics was a class that we had to take as freshmen in exercise science program. And it was one of those weed out classes. And I struggled through my first semester to where I could have not done well in the major, or might've got booted out if I didn't pass the class. i passed by the skin of my teeth in physics. Mm -hmm. Um, Shout out to some of my friends who helped me out with understanding the material and giving me homework questions because conceptually I understood physics, but I did not know the actual math to do the actual homeworks. I failed the homework. I just got A's on the lab and B's on the exams. But if I had went to Woodland Hills, I would've actually had the opportunity to take calculus, which is you you have to know calculus to do physics questions but the school didn't even offer it
1: yeah I I took pre-calc in 11th grade and then I I could have taken calculus in the 12th grade but I opted out of that shit and I I took like I voluntarily took a statistics class which I didn't love um but yeah I, I think I went to school and and It's weird because there are people in Newcastle that are really poor, and there are people that are in Newcastle that have quite a bit of money. Just because of where it's located, the cost of living is quite low, so it doesn't require someone to have a whole bunch of money to be okay, so I went to a school that was fine. You know, when I got to the eighth grade, we went into a brand-new junior high building. The high school was only, like, a few years old at that point, and so... While I was there, I was essentially, I essentially spent my, well, my eighth to my 12th grade year in a newer school, a school that was was under 10 years old. By the time I graduated, it was still under 10 years old. And we had all types of shit. They did offer us shit. There were some township schools where all the rich people lived that were a bit better. They offered more. My school offered um Italian French and in Spanish just languages there were some other schools they offered Russian and German and Japanese they just had the ability to hire and bring on other types of teachers and it's it's you were talking about calculus and that is I understand that play. And it's actually interesting, but not surprising that they didn't offer calculus. What tends to go first are like the liberal arts, well, the arts period tends to go from certain schools uh, that are in places that just don't have a lot of money. Like there isn't a lot of after school programs, aren't a lot of clubs, and just those kinds of things you miss out on and you don't get to experience if your school is lacking. Yeah, we, we hardly
0: had any of that at Wilkinsburg. We barely even had sports. <laughs>
1: It's more of a slap in the face if you're, you know, you have friends that you absolutely know they're getting a better education. They're being offered more. And they're, they, it's only because of this stupid zone from a street that's literally two blocks away from me that's keeping me from getting a superior education. Like by far. That's crazy.
0: And it wouldn't even be that big of a deal if the education you got at the lesser school was adequate enough to do you well. Like I would have, and I had friends who were people that I deem as, you know, generally just as intelligent as I was, but they did Wilkinsburg the whole time. And so they were like smart because they were intelligent people, but academically they weren't that great or they were great at Wilkinsburg, but they got the college and struggled. Yeah, and or they went to a similar school and struggled, whereas I was still able to to do well because of my academic background at the wider more upper middle class schools in elementary school my reading comprehension was at a 12th grade level coming into middle school like you know and it wasn't because I was that pressed about reading like the school I went to required it and my mother also was very militant about that kind of thing but you know Somebody else in my environment would have thrived better. And, you know, and and so going to a school like that and imagine going to that school from the age of five to 18, having a subpar education and then like, oh, go to college and do this. That shit's hard. And it wouldn't be that big of a deal that Pine Richland is so much better off if Wilkinsburg just had what it needed to be successful, but it doesn't and that whole property tax issue you can't be equal if your neighbor if your neighborhood school is being funded by the value of your house but if you live in an area that's predominantly black the value of your house goes down
1: yeah and it's just because black people live here <laughs> um, and we put them here and we're going to keep the value of this shit here. And that's just how we're going to operate. And it's so interesting, you know, when schools start to integrate and you know, black kids are able to start going to some of these schools that, you know, they're just better equipped to actually educate students. You see in 1976 and 1994, about a 54% Increase in the Nash in the average Black SAT score, whereas white students that remain stable, that doesn't go up. So it's like this direct showing. Oh, <laughs> yeah, maybe it was the schools. Maybe it was the stress that they were under, being in places that are underfunded, and it's something that has continued today. I mean, living in Baltimore City it's something that we hear about all the time uh like two winters ago it was particularly bad schools were closing during the day because the schools didn't have heat kids are like forced to wear their coat and their hat and their gloves while they're also supposed to be learning these schools are like underfunded Given old books and like giving hand me down books, they're not being updated. And one of the things that I found to be really interesting, one of the biggest contributors to the success of students, period, is teachers. And by far, the teachers that go to predominantly black schools are significantly underqualified. They're usually new teachers. A lot of them might not have a certificate and a degree. They might have one or the other. I remember when I moved to Baltimore, that was something that, like, a few people told me, like, oh, you know, you can just, like, apply to be a teacher. Like, you can just, like, go and teach history at, like, one of these schools because you have a degree. You know your person will. You can talk whatever you would probably do well with that. And it's like, I don't have any teaching experience. <laughs> I don't have any teaching certificate, but they kind of promote this because they need teachers. And if you're a new teacher, that means you don't, you may have wanted to be a teacher your entire life, but until you start practicing, you don't really, and that's with any, I think, career, until you really get into it, you don't, you don't know. You know, you can hope, but you don't really know. And so you can get into this school with all the best intention in the world. But if you're going into a place and you're not used to the students, you're not used to some of the trials and tribulations and the struggles that they might be dealing with on a day-to-day basis, the school is significantly underfunded. You're given, you know, the, the amount of teachers that have to purchase their own supplies. And that's not even specifically related to just black schools. Teachers are like underfunded, and you know, like just the way that we look at public education does need to change a bit. But when we're specifically talking about these inner city schools, and then we're wondering why, why more Black people aren't excelling when they're coming out of places like this? Why do they? Why are there, are people dropping out? Or why aren't they learning? Why aren't they doing this? Why aren't they being exposed to more things And it's directly related to the schools and the teacher's not having the capacity to really be able to build a real curriculum? And if you and your brain um, isn't kind of worked and massaged, you know, I think it's by the time you get to the third grade, if you just feel like you're not your brain isn't being exercised there's a, a specific word that I can't that I can't think of I just like it's lost on me um
0: not like challenged or
1: yeah so if you're not like challenge it's a different word but challenge we're getting we're getting closer to it um if you're not being challenged you just start to lose interest but that has to happen at a young age and you know, I think about, I don't know if I told this story on the podcast before. I don't know if I've told you this. Um, There was this woman who, I was listening to this interview, this NPR interview, and it was talking about this woman who, as a kid, she could never sit still. She was always moving and fidgeting around, and her parents, like, her teacher noticed it, and instead of just yelling and berating and giving the girl punishment, she talked to the the parents and said, hey, your daughter's having a really hard time focusing. Like, what's what's happening? They sent her to a psychologist. The psychologist, being trained and being able to, you know, look at things and ask questions with an open mind, suggests that they put this child into dance classes. They do that, and she ends up, Becoming one of the top choreographers, like for Broadway, she she choreographed Cats and a bunch Mm -hmm. of other really famous musicals. Think about all the black people that they don't even know the talents that they possess because no one's taking that extra time. They might be disruptive in class because of the way this underqualified teacher. And I don't want to just blame the teachers because I don't think they're going out with with negative intentions. They just don't have the ability to always adapt and to cope and to really look at what's going on and how do I try to make the situation better? So you get frustrated, you know? And so instead of really trying to figure out why are they having such a hard time focusing? What is it and how can I help? It's, I can't do this, you're bad, I'm calling the principal, you need to be suspended, you need to get detention to and it's discipline first and sort it out later and you know that that even goes to like the police the police are like shoot first ask questions later that kind of i'm going to discipline you when you're not doing something that i like first instead of having a conversation asking some questions is something that has continued from slavery to till today
0: and when you look at intelligence and what people can do Your ability to do good math, do good science, do good English writing, good history, like that's not the end-all, be-all of education. So when you look at schools cutting arts programs, like we get these big-ass jobs doing science. Think about like somebody who works at a research lab. When you leave that research lab, what do you spend your time doing? You spend all that time consuming art.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: all that time that we spend outside of our techie jobs that whatever that we're doing, we usually spend that time doing art. Mm-hmm. And when we want to increase people's morale, who do we bring to campus? I'm not bringing a scientist to do after school program for my kids to rile them up. I'm not bringing an after school. I'm not bringing a scientist to my lunch and learn or some company kickback. I'm bringing an artist. Yeah. And so, you know, our world flows on that. And when you devalue the value of artistic intelligence yeah. like you are hindering people's learning not everybody gets the rocks off by looking at newton's three laws not everybody gets the rocks off learning about uh english history like that's just not the business for everybody some yeah. people are really excited to learn how to do the damn recorder which i absolutely hated playing hot cross bunts i sucked at it i hated it but other people love playing the recorder and they do the drums and they're really good at these things and they provide a lot of value to the world. I would be the person, I could draw a little turkey when I painted, when I traced over my fingers and stuff, Thanksgiving. I could do that kind of drawing. You know, I could draw Pat buses because mm-hmm. I was used to catching them and I thought that was cool and draw fighter jets. But there were people who are out there who can like draw, draw. And that's part of their career. You know, They have leadership positions and they are in rooms and spaces and can do consulting because they are artistic in a way that provides a lot of value to other people and being able to grow their perspectives. And that has to be nurtured when people are young.
1: Yeah.
0: And if you have somebody in your class who is demonstrating these things, but you devalue that and you undercut it, or if they're not really interested in uh, understanding physics and biology and learning to put all the right theirs in the right places, and that's just not the fun part to them, it's secondary, you're gonna struggle with that kid.
1: Yeah, and I think it's it's something else where you can have all the best intentions in the world, just like there might be an argument that some police officers have great intentions, and yeah, that's fine, but once you're in the role, it's not about what your pre-intentions were, it's now how are you operating as this person, as this police officer, as this teacher, and education is really something that needs to be given more time and more money and just more effort and energy should be towards it like we all all these murders that have been happening recently we talked about all these issues within the black community you were just talking about how you know equity and equality you can't have equality if A school in the middle of Baltimore and a school in Towson are literally night and day by what they provide to the students. The students that are coming out of the Baltimore City School are severely kind of disabled in what they're even given out, out the gate. So then what do you expect for them to grow into as adults? If as children, you didn't see any faith or didn't see any reason to put any effort to try to cultivate more, you know, well-rounded, well-rounded educationally students. And especially when you're talking about people that might have a hard home life, do you think having a hard school life is going to help, is going to make it any easier for them in the long run? Of course it's not.
0: And so when you look at success outcomes, specifically of black students and and also specifically of just people in general who go to poor school districts, when you have your school resources being funded by property taxes in a way that makes them underfunded, because I don't think that's fair or equal at all, Mm -hmm. um, when you have teachers who are there and shout out to my friends who do teach for America, like y'all hearts are in the right place. And some of them are practical teachers, but when you have people who are not academically taught to teach and are not trained to teach, like, unless they just have a good gift for it, they're still going to, they're going to pale in comparison to someone who has a good gift for it and is trained to do that. And so if your uh, poor public school is not paying them enough, on par not even that they have to pay them more than the rich areas but they're not paying them on part of what they need to make to be able to have a good life then you're not going to get qualified people and i like to teach but i have no business being in somebody's middle school teaching things because okay. curriculum writing is its own skill and art and being able to manage all those kids when you have that you have your uh extracurriculars, quote unquote, you know, your art programs, your sport programs being cut, things that kids look forward to doing that are scientifically shown to be enriching to the developing human and the developed human. You're cutting that. um, And then you have students who come in poor neighborhoods and stressed neighborhoods. And then you have the addition of parents who grew up in that same system. So they don't even push the kids to have that scholarly att- attitude as well. And then the school, everybody in the school is kind of expecting that, oh, there's gonna be some gems that make it, but everybody else is probably gonna just do okay or fail out, except for those kids who you can usually tell at a very early age are gonna do male- well no matter what. That's, a, that's the needle in the haystack. Well, what do you expect for you know neighborhoods and, and these public schools, especially the the poor public schools, What do you expect them to do? What do you expect these outcomes to be? And while maybe the lay person's like, oh, you know, they should just try harder. No, this stuff's been engineered. And, you know, while a lot of it's been engineered, even the parts that are not are unintended consequences that go into layering on further oppression, really. Because again, if you don't know how to do things, if you can't read well, if you and especially you know the stats show that if you can't do certain things by the third grade you're behind um yeah. if you're not able to if you're struggling through high school you're going to have a problem getting through the rest of the world unless you are particularly gifted in a way that allows you to make money or do really well and like the average person is not super gifted at doing these academic things or you know doing certain activities that if you grow up average in a well resourced area, you're going to be able to do well in life.
1: Yeah. And when you don't, when we talk about teachers, I, it's not just this act of like getting in front of a class and relaying information. It's like, how are you interacting with these kids? And yeah, you may have done a 45 minute lecture, but if no one was paying attention, and you blame it on them just being lazy instead of thinking, well, how can I make this more engaging? That's what we're talking about when we say qualified teachers, being able to adapt kids, you know, that time in your life up until high school. I mean, even now we're always learning and growing, but it's that those formative years are so important. And to Kinds of just brush off uh, someone's education because you think, oh, well, they just don't care and they're being lazy and not thinking, well, is there something else I can do? Have I tried everything to make it engaging and just immediately going to, you know, ah, that it just is what it is, mm-hmm. is really unfortunate. Um, but we could spend 20, I don't know, hours, days, months. We could spend a long time talking about education I just in this idea I guess the series of like equity and equality that we're about to get into especially coming off of the housing situation I just wanted to bring up some points about education some points about blacks and education and just the history with that because you know it's interesting like I said being in Baltimore has made it as I'm not in school I don't work in the schools and I don't have any children in the Baltimore school system but it's still the city that I live in and I see kids all the time and I'm reading these things and I'm walking past these schools and it's disgusting and so you know we have you and I I guess kind of have a duty to like highlight some of these things and you all listeners your duty I guess would be to continue to educate yourself on this topic in particular maybe look at what your whether you have kids or not what the public school system looks like in your community look at your community and then look at what the public school looks like and then maybe look at what the public schools look like in communities that are different than yours you might feel a way once you do that
0: yeah and so as you know if you consider yourself somebody who is patriotic or cares about making America a better place to live, whether you live in a nice area or you're an empty nester or you're younger, you have a duty to this place that you live in to find ways to make things more equitable and being able to improve the conditions for how these schools are goes, you know, makes things better. When these schools perform poorly, some of that budget comes from the state and the state will cut that. and then they have even less resources like and then the school eventually closes so um you know take your time to make sure
1: are you okay over there
0: yeah my ring fell off (laughs) and so um uh make sure that you take your time to learn about how does your area function how do things work here and also which i want you to make sure you do is like subscribe and share this podcast with somebody. We're
1: on Twitter now. Follow us.
0: (laughs) So we are getting our tweet game going. So make sure you follow us on there. Um, send us an email, send us a DM at the Black Codes Podcast, the Black Codes Podcast at gmail.com. And make sure that, you know, you tell us what you learned, what you liked. We are on a series about equity and understanding things. And remember that these things are all tied together. Housing discrimination plays right into educational discrimination and some of the other topics that we'll bring up and understanding that these things don't live in isolation. You know, oppression is all around and no one wants to live like that. We wouldn't talk about it if it wasn't there. Exactly. So uh, until next time, we will catch you on another episode of The Black Codes.
1: Bye.